0: Welcome to Center Ice, the Hockey Alberta podcast, home to all things hockey in our great province. Now, here's your host, Ted Emmett.
1: Hello and welcome back to Center Ice, the Hockey Alberta podcast. I'm your host, Ted Emmett. Excited to be back with you once again for episode 17. And we have a great episode lined up, mainly because you're not going to have to really listen to me talk all that much this time around because Kara Spady from our marketing and communications team conducted two really really good interviews in the month of November here so first up even though we're past Remembrance Day at this point there's never really a wrong time to honor those who have served and continue to serve our country so Kara spoke with former University of Alberta Panda and Edmonton Chimo Angie On and her partner Canadian Armed Forces Commander officer major leona on Uh, they talked about life as a military family life as a hockey family and how those two kind of intertwine and really just a lot of great stuff in there so can't wait to play that one for you Kara also sat down with the national hockey league's vice president of development and growth jeff scott to speak about a very important initiative that runs throughout the league this time of year hockey fights cancer but before we get to that Now, Since the birth of this podcast just over a year ago, not one episode has gone by where we don't talk about the COVID-19 pandemic, and this is no different. Usually I'll update you on the current state of hockey, any changes to rules or regulations that you need to know, and so on. But since nothing has really changed, knock on wood, in quite some time, I'm just here to remind you to please not only respect and follow the rules and regulations in place, but please Please show respect to those who are tasked with enforcing those rules. I know most people are, but there are always the exception to the rule out there and people who are giving the people a hard time who are really just out there doing their job. Uh, I know we've been dealing with this for a long time now. We're all exhausted, we're all frustrated, but we're also all in this together. So the people who may be asking you to wear a mask or to socially distance from someone or for your proof of vaccination, they're not doing it because they feel like doing it. they're doing it because it's their job to help keep us all safe. So we don't get to choose the rules, but we can choose our attitude. So please choose wisely. And again, just be kind. We're all in this together, like I said. And, you know, being rude to someone or showing disrespect isn't really going to help anything at all. So with that little unsolicited lecture out of the way, let's go to Kara Spady's first interview with Angie and Leona On
2: Angie, can you tell us a little bit about your uh, background in hockey?
3: Yeah. So I started playing actually the first year that I played, I was 10 years old, but there wasn't, I didn't really know how to skate and there wasn't a girls team and I didn't join a boys team. So I actually ended up playing on a midget women's team, like a girls team that played in the women's league. So I played for that season and then realized that they were way out of my league. So I went to ringette for a couple of years and then I came back and I played on an all girls team and um played alberta winter games and things like that together and then we played kind of at the top level for midget hockey and then uh, i went and played at the university of alberta for the pandas and i also played for the edmonton chimos when they existed
0: leona so was hockey a part of your life growing up as well so no it wasn't because as you know we all know hockey is a very privileged sport and you know as immigrants to you know calgary we didn't have a lot of money growing up but actually when angie and i got together we fell in love through hockey actually and for christmas one year she bought me hockey lessons as an adult so in calgary I got 10 hockey lessons, learned how to put all the gear on, learned how to skate, because I didn't know how to do any of that. And joined the league there, but then realized I wanted to play with women and not men, because they could still shoot. Like, even though they can't skate, they can still shoot. So I transferred to Saha the rec league and played two or three seasons with those girls and just had the best time so
2: oh fun that's awesome so you actually learned as an adult how yeah to skate and-
0: I love it so much and now our young daughter uh, Brooklyn who's four just started uh, under five hockey it's the cutest yeah. thing ever
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And was it a question if she was going to play hockey or not? Or was it like, no, we're counting down the days till we get to be hockey moms. Yeah. So we (laughs) really wanted her to play
3: hockey. Of course, if she was the type of child that hated it, then that would have been, you know, a different decision. But we definitely wanted to try with her. So we had her at outdoor rinks at, I think, two a couple times. She wasn't loving it at two. And then at three, she wanted to skate more. And then... This year, she just, she loves it and her skating has improved so much. So it's been really exciting to to watch. And in the mornings when she has hockey, even though it's once a week, she, she asks like, do I have hockey today? Do I have hockey today? And the days that she does, even though I have to wake her up because the time is so early, she gets really excited and jumps out of bed and puts on her under gear. And
0: yeah, it's really fun to watch.
2: Oh, that's awesome. And is your youngest taking a liking to it too?
0: Oh. Yeah, he... Loves just carrying around a hockey stick all over the yard, all over the house. But we ha- we're we putting him on, on skates this winter. So we'll see how he does. So in Korea, when you uh, reach 100 days, we have the celebration called Torjebi. And we basically lay out a bunch of items to manifest what kind of life the child will have. Back in the day, they used to have things like rice and money and you know, different types of things like that. But nowadays, in contemporary times, parents are putting hockey sticks and paintbrushes and like um, stethoscopes just to see what kind of jobs that they will have. And both our children chose hockey sticks. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> really? Brooklyn actually grabbed a paintbrush because she'd never, yeah, she grabbed a paintbrush. Put it down and then went right, right, went right for the hockey <laughs> stick. Yeah, and Ethan just went yeah. right for the hockey stick.
2: Oh what, wow, yeah. that's amazing. So yeah, it's they're literally born to play now. So well,
0: it's really funny. Uh, Brooklyn, um, she had an intro to hockey just recently because she just started and. During, after that session, we got a certificate of like participation, but it happened to have a Team Canada logo on it. So oh when gosh. we came out, she looked at Angie and I and, and said, does this mean I'm on Team <laughs> Canada now? It was quite cute. Yeah. We're like, oh, you're going to us really hard for that. Yeah, you have to <laughs> yeah.
3: work
2: really hard to get there, sweetheart. <laughs> but if that's a dream of yours, then you can. Yeah. we'll support you. Yeah. <laughs> Hockey gives and sport gives us amazing opportunities in life, but those wouldn't be possible if it weren't for those who are serving our country and fought for our freedoms. Uh, Leona, first, I want to thank you for your service. And can you tell us about your career in the military?
0: Yeah, so i am been serving for just over 16 years. Four of those where I was at the Military Academy, which there's only one in Canada called the Royal College, the Royal Military College of Canada, where I got my business degree. And I've been stationed currently in my career in Edmonton and Calgary. And my current job title is Officer Commanding of a company in a service battalion right here at Canadian Forces Base Edmonton. Well, so Currently, I have just... Uh, just over 200 people that I'm in charge of, and we provide uh, combat service support and institutional services to one can- Canadian mechanized brigade group, which essentially means any that you need logistics, whether for combat operations, exercises, events, or deployments, we have a part to play in the execution and planning of that. I've also had uh, have had the privilege of doing unique and challenging different things in the military. Like in 2010, I was deployed to the Vancouver Olympics. So we were doing security deterrence there uh, just to ensure that Canadians are safe and all the athletes when Calgary actually flooded in um, 2013, the Southern Alberta floods, you know, the Canmore High River reason, um season, I was uh, deployed as the Joint Task Force Quartermaster doing fle- flood relief operations and supporting logistics for that. And when I was 23, I uh, deployed to Afghanistan and Kandahar for about seven months too. So really cool, unique experiences.
2: Very unique. And yeah, everything from crisis to like going overseas and then getting to be a part of when we welcome the world in 2010. So that's amazing. Andy, can you give us some insight on what it's like to be a military wife? Yeah, so it's, um, there's (laughs) never really
3: a dull moment. Um, Although she works, technically works kind of more of a nine to five day in and day out. There's a lot of different things depending on what her current role is. So sometimes there's exercises involved and when there's exercises involved, she could be gone for, you know, a few days to a few weeks to a couple months when she's on exercise. And then when there's deployment Then when she goes internationally, she's gone for approximately six months. We as a couple haven't experienced a deployment yet. So um, we're kind of looking forward to that. Leona would like to do that. So we're looking forward to what that might look like for our family. But it's a real honor to be this a spouse for someone that's in uniform, that's representing our country. And I always look at it as a really great opportunity also for our kids to see somebody who's not just looking out for our family, but looking out for our community and looking out for our country. Yeah, it's interesting. So today, actually, I had Leona come to the school. I'm a teacher. And she came to present to a couple of our grade six classes.
2: So that's amazing that you are able to bring Leona in and educate the sixth graders in life in wearing the uniform. So do you find Leona, is there any tie between hockey and managing the the demands of the the military and your role?
0: Oh, yeah, we are Canadian forces. We're still we're Canadians, first and foremost. So hockey is uh, the pillar of any sporting competition. And actually, we hold our own hockey nationals and regionals, women and men within the military. And after Christmas, actually, we're going to have a week long sporting competition where hockey is kind of the primary event and all military members of all walks of life. And they're pretty good, actually. <laughs> Not as good as Hockey Canada, but, you know, good for their uh, their division levels, I guess. Um, yeah, so hockey is a big part of uh, the military culture, for sure.
2: So do you find that, um, because you do have these national competitions and everyone is still a hockey player at their core, that it helps with the team culture?
0: Totally. So I find that a lot of people who are successful in the military our athletes, whether that was in high school or university or, you know, in recreational league, any person that knows what it means to be part of a team and not just being the MVP, but being the person that's the supporter, the person that passes the puck, the person that always makes sure that the morale is high on the team, person that's always worried about, you know, does everyone have their water bottle? Every person matters to be that force multiplier to have an effective team so i would say it transcends all all things and hockey being the primary sport in canada a lot of a lot of hockey players come in and bring those attributes that they would have brought to their athletic team onto the battlefield
2: and when you talk i know you just said that Um, As a couple, you haven't experienced deployment yet, but it's something that you want to do. And would you be going in a different role? And is that something that uh, obviously you said you're looking forward to it and it's something that you do want to do?
0: Totally. So, you know, just like any other profession, when you're constantly training for something, you want to actually go do the real thing. So I've been Edmonton has had the privilege to be on a road to high readiness for the last uh, three years basically, where we're training to pump out people to go overseas. And so we're on that rotation right now in Edmonton where I'm based out of. So it's not confirmed yet, but I'm just hoping that I get to use the training that I've had to deploy overseas. The current missions that the Canadian Armed Forces are involved in, the three main ones, are... Operation Reassurance, which is our security efforts and contributions to NATO to bring security in Europe. We have Operation Impact, which is our uh, contribution to the Middle East and the fight against Daesh. And then we have Operation Unifier, which is in Ukraine, and we're helping build security capacities so that the state of Ukraine can remain sovereign. So those are the three named missions that we're looking at. We still have just over a hundred people deployed on United Nations missions, ranging from Mali, Congo, South Sudan. But those named missions uh, can come from anywhere across the Canadian Armed Forces at this point. And it really depends on what role you're going over as, but essentially like at my rank level, which is a major, you would be probably in charge of something to assemble a certain type of team to have certain effects on the battlefield, as we call it, or training event or whatever. So because I'm a logistics officer, I would be probably involved in some sort of strategic operational level planning for that.
2: And as we're approaching November 11, what does Remembrance Day look like for you?
0: So, you know, Remembrance Day is a It's a great week to be in reflection and full of gratitude for the abundance that we have as Canadians and to reflect on all the veterans and that are no longer with us today and to the soldiers that are currently serving right now. But for us as a family, you know, every year we've been going to uh, ceremonies outside or inside. This year we'll probably be outside because of COVID-19. And we love to involve our kids, you know, early on to kind of expose them to what it means to live in a true democracy and how privileged we are and not to take anything for granted and to pay tribute and feel gratitude for those people and be engaged in the stories of those soldiers and those veterans because transformational kind of changes or reflections really happen through relations. I find not a lot of people care about it or a little bit apathetic about it unless they have a special relational tie, either through a friend or a family member. But once you know a soldier's story, even if it's a stranger, you're more likely to be a little bit more curious, a little bit more intrigued, which hopefully results in actions or engagement or curiosity to pay tribute to the Canadian Armed Forces and the veterans that have served.
2: And being a member of the Canadian Armed Forces, does the day take on any sort of significance for you personally as well?
0: For sure, because, you know, just we're like any other organization, but but what's really kind of special within our bond, you know, we really don't like to pay lip service when we say brothers and sisters in arms. So when we lose someone, whether that might not even necessarily be in combat, because we haven't been in combat since we left Afghanistan as the Kenyan Armed Forces. But when we lose, you know, fellow soldiers through PTSD or trauma or, you know, they just pass away. It still impacts us differently because we know that when we're sent somewhere or Canadians call that person that you work with, they're going to have your back in life or death situations. So it just adds that little bit more sentimental value, I think, as a serving member.
2: The relationships you build and the trust you have in your well, brothers and sisters, like you just said, is must be unexplainable. I don't think you could probably put that into words. And I really admire that. These days, I think it's really easy to get lost in the hustle and bustle of life. Uh, Is there anything that you would like to say to encourage people to take the time to stop and remember those who have served and to honor those who have currently served or currently are serving on November 11th?
0: yeah i think one thing we can all agree on because i feel like nowadays it's really hard to find common ground on a lot of things because everything is so polarized there's a lot of rhetoric and i would just say to the fellow citizens is it doesn't matter where you are politically affiliated whether you like the government of canada's foreign policy or you even believe in the missions that we're doing internationally. But I think we can all agree on just support the human behind the uniform because we're mothers and fathers, we're sisters and brothers, we're your friends, we're your neighbors. And, you know, just to put it into a contemporary context, never did we think that the Canadian Armed Forces would be in long-term care facilities during a global pandemic. You know, never did we think that we would be sending military nurses to be at the Royal Alex, you know, supporting ICU capacity, or did we think that we're going to do vaccine distribution in Indigenous communities up north. And these are your everyday soldiers. So it's not all about the bloodshed and the combat. We are a pretty holistic force, as we've proven this year. We're fighting fires. We're doing flood relief operations. We're up north, you know, as well as trying to build relations, diplomatic ties, uh, securities, and other regions outside Canada where they don't have the same privileges as us. So just come and support the human behind the uniform.
2: Yes. Thank you so much for all you've done for our country and continue to do. And. I think that we often thank the person in the uniform, but Angie, thank you to you too, because without the supportive spouse behind the uniform, I know that it's a lot harder
0: to do their jobs. So, uh, and that's the total, that's such a great point. And I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, I would be nothing without Angie and our family. And I know that a lot of military members would say the same thing. We cannot do what we do. We cannot do what we love without our families and the incredible sacrifices of parenting alone, the postings, the instability for families sometimes and putting them through that and still having a smile and supporting. That means the world to every soldier.
1: A huge thank you again to Angie on and Major Leona on, and to Kara as well for that great interview. Like I said before, we should be honoring our veterans every single day. Uh, and that was a, a really great insight into what life is like in the Canadian Armed Forces and for those who have family members who serve as well. So that's one interview down, one to go, which means it's time to check in on what's going on around the province. So here's what you need to know some huge news from Hockey Alberta earlier this week. We, we never get to celebrate good news as much as we used to, but now it's uh, even better. Now that we, we get some good news here. So earlier this week, Hockey Alberta announced the Alberta Cup, Alberta Challenge and Prospects Cup will all return in 2022 after a two year hiatus due to the pandemic. And all three will take place right here at the Gary W. Harris Canada Games Center in Red Deer, uh, which, which is really exciting as well. Hockey Alberta has never done that before. So the Alberta Cup runs April 27th to May 1st. The Alberta Challenge May 4th to 8th and the Prospects Cup May 11th to 15th so again going to be a really crazy couple weeks here at the hockey alberta office in red deer but we can't wait Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun so stay tuned for more information on those events as we get a little closer to them and speaking of the alberta challenge Hockey Alberta is looking for six aspiring female coaches to serve as apprentice coaches at the 2022 Alberta Challenge. And again, that is in Red Deer. So if you're interested in getting into coaching and learning more about it, head to hockeyalberta.ca for more details and fill out your application before December 5th. And as we inch closer to the 2022 World Junior Hockey Championship in Edmonton and Red Deer, the World Junior Trophy Tour presented by the Dairy Farmers of Canada and Alberta Milk continues to roll through Alberta. It's already made stops in Olds, Strathcona, Canmore, Lacombe, and Nanton, with upcoming dates in Grand Cache, Whitecourt, and Frog Lake. And of course, it's gonna stop in Edmonton and Red Deer right before the tournament kicks off. So if you're near any of those, head to HockeyAlberta.ca for a little bit more details on how you can take part in that celebration. That's what you need to know. As always, head to HockeyAlberta.ca for more information. And with that let's go to our second interview as kara spady chats with the nhl's jeff scott on hockey fights cancer i
4: am jeff scott i am the vice president of community development and growth uh, overseeing what's known as our social impact and connect pillar which allows us to uh, genuinely engage and interact with all members throughout our hockey ecosystem including all 32 of our club partners uh, members from uh, our governing bodies in Hockey Canada and USA Hockey, and of course, our minor league affiliates uh, to make sure we're just driving that message and the the narrative around making this sport a diverse and a safe and inclusive environment. So uh, enjoy what I do and, and, and appreciate this opportunity.
2: Yes. Yeah, so part of that growth and development and engagement within the hockey community is touching on Important social awareness. So one of those things is uh, hockey fights cancer. In your position, what is your role with hockey fights cancer? So for
4: our department, hockey fights cancer really originates from uh, from our team, right? And what we are tasked to do is uh, create the content, create the narrative, create the storylines and the partnerships to make sure we are showing our support as a league uh, for this unfortunate fight against cancer. And what we want to do is is. Raise the awareness, raise the the opportunities for individuals, whether you're a fan of the game or a fan in waiting uh, to join us in this fight against cancer. And we do it in a number of ways to make it interactive, to make people feel uh, inspired by the stories, by the content that we create, by the opportunities for participation. And we understand that this is a battle that takes all of us, right? So in order for us to do that, We rely heavily, not only internally, right, with all other departments to help us create the stories and the messaging and the look and feel of it, but um, everyone from the youth hockey space all the way up through to our professional space, you know, and I can go into a a bit deeper of of what that looks like, but it's really that, right? It's, It's creating that platform and that opportunity for people to stop what they're doing, focus on what's plaguing us right now, and that happens to be cancer. And us rallying, you know, to raise funds and to raise awareness to support it.
2: Yeah. So, reading up on Hockey Fights Cancer, it sounds like it was originally started in Tampa Bay. Why did the NHL feel like uh, this was something that needed to be recognized league wide? So,
4: unfortunately,
2: cancer affects us all,
4: and regardless of where it originates, regardless of who has the loudest voice, we as a league believed that because it affects us all. We want to make this a league-wide effort um we we initially launched our hockey fights cancer initiative back in 1998 you know so we've been doing this for quite some time now um since 1998 we've been able to raise over 30 million dollars to 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 really invest in and contribute back to this cause but we understood the power in numbers, right? And we we understand we are a sports entity, right? So we live and breathe a team environment. And so for us to make this a league-wide effort uh, was, of course, that first step. And then from making it a league-wide effort from an NHL's perspective, we had to think bigger than that. So then we started reaching out to some of our other affiliates and, and, and associations, you know, such as the AHL, the ECHL, the OHL. And then even going down into the grassroots youth hockey space and creating a platform that allows youth hockey organizations and players and families to also join us in this fight. So as I mentioned at the start, right, this is this is uh, something that touches us all. And it only makes sense for us to make this platform and this opportunity available for everyone to participate.
2: You mentioned that over the years you've raised millions of dollars. Uh, can you explain the impact that the campaign has on societies such as the American Cancer Society, Canadian Cancer Society, and the Movember Foundation?
4: Yeah, so we're we're lucky to have a, you know a great partnership with ACS, American Cancer Society, and Canadian Cancer Society, and we understand that. We have a platform, you know, from the NHL's perspective, they have the reach and the expertise, right, to make sure that it is the the funding and the awareness that we're raising is actually reaching the patients and the families and the caregivers um, who are are a part of this. So when we talk about, you know, the partnership and, and why it's important to have that is... They're the experts in the space, right? They're the ones who are really going to help this, you know, this this such unfortunate situation or this this self, you know, way of life a little bit easier for families. So with ACS and CCS, you know we've been very intentional with understanding where our support is is going to, right? So as you know, there's there are Hope Lodges, right, across across the countries, uh, and the Hope Lodges are all intended to provide an easy way of life while Patients are going through this cancer treatment, right? So it's essentially a home away from home. And so when, when people are going through, you know, this intense treatment and they have to go to another city or another state to receive that treatment, this hope, Lodge, the hope lodges provide that safe haven, right? Provides that home for them. And ACS and CCS are, are, are key partners in that. When we think about the transportation costs that that it's that's needed for these families to go from point A to point B. We understand how important that is, and just thinking back to some of those numbers, so I can paint that 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 metric for you. Over the course of our support with ACS and CCS, we've helped them um, complete nearly four hundred thousand rides for pa- for patients and families to their treatment. Um, we've helped them provide, uh, over half a million nights of stay, uh, within Hope Lodges, right? So being able to quantify the, you know, the, the, the impact that we have really speaks to the volume of, of who they're, who they're reaching and, uh, and and how they're making this experience a little bit easier, I'd say, right? We know it's not easy by any means, but hopefully a little bit easier for these families to, to make it through these difficult times. And, um, yeah, and it's, and, and it's us really just relying on those partnerships for them to help us bring it to life.
2: Can you dive into the details on the events throughout the month of November that the NHL has?
4: Yeah, so it's it, it, it's a busy month for us, as you can imagine. And we understand that we have to find different ways to market it, to promote it, to, to really reach people in an authentic way. And one way for us to do that is we identify an ambassador. And this year's ambassador is a former NHLer, Dominic Moore. And Dom has his personal story, right, as it relates to cancer. Um, by, unfortunately, Unfortunately, losing um, his his first wife uh to a rare form of, of liver cancer. And what Dom has gone on to do is he's created a platform and a foundation in honor of his wife, um, known as the Katie Moore Foundation. And he's also created an event known as Smash Fest, which is uh, essentially a ping pong tournament that brings, you know, NHL players and athletes and celebrities and, and, and regular people like me into this event uh, to raise fun and raise funds and, and have fun um, to uh to to really show our support for for cancer. But what Dom will be doing for us is the fact that he's a former NHL player. The fact that he's actually experienced uh, cancer firsthand, he will help us conduct these really heartfelt interviews, right, with players um, to understand their story, to understand what how they have personally been impacted with it. Um, he will also be present um, on our broadcast partners' uh, platforms, right? So whether it's ESPN or Turner or NHL Network, to really talk about uh, what we're doing from this Hockey Fights Cancer platform. So that's one way that um, we're bringing this narrative to life. Another way is through our special events and activations. So this year, we are proud to announce this new partnership that we have with a company known as 15 Seconds of Fame. And what 15 Seconds of Fame uh, essentially is known for is creating these once in a lifetime experiences for, uh, for fans to experience something unique. And what we're doing here is with this platform is we're allowing fans to enter the sweepstakes, right? And uh, the winner of the sweepstake will have an amazing once in a lifetime experience during NHL All-Star in, in Las Vegas. So the funds that we will hopefully generate from fans entering into the sweepstakes will of course go back to support the efforts of ACS and CCS uh, while giving the fan a unique experience, right? Where they can talk about um, what cancer has meant to them but also how they've been able to experience something that's very enlightening and fun by having that, that, that time uh, at NHL All-Star. Another one that I mentioned um, when I talked about the impact of the youth hockey space, and this is called uh, HFC Assist, right? Hockey Fights Cancer Assist. And what this really boils down to is when you turn on, you know, and are watching an NHL game right now, you'll see a lavender takeover, right? You'll see, especially when clubs are having their theme nights, you'll see Dasher boards uh, signage uh, in lavender. You'll see the broadcast and on-air talent wearing either our Hockey Fights Cancer lavender ties or the women will be wearing scarves or there'll be a lapel pin. Something to just remind you that, wow, when I see this lavender, I understand that it's associated with Hockey Fights Cancer. Or when you, sing, when you sing the players on the ice and their sticks are wrapped in lavender tape. These are all ways from an NHL league professional perspective as to how we're raising awareness. So we thought about how can the youth hockey space replicate or have a very similar um, opportunity. And this is where HFC Assist comes in. So when 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 youth hockey clubs reach out wanting to participate, we align them and connect them with those same assets, right? So we'll send them lavender stick tape. We'll send them I fight for cards um, that they can put within their local ranks and and, and share that story of who they're fighting for. Um, We will also set them up with a fundraising platform um, so that they too can reach out to their family members and friends and, and, and solicit and seek donations to go back and support a great cause. So those are just three simple ways, you know, that um, we're remaining active, right, of, of allowing whether you're an ambassador, looking at it from a player's lens, whether you're a fan wanting to engage and have this once in a lifetime experience through 15 seconds of fame, or if you're a youth hockey parent, player, participant, and you want to bring this experience into your local rank or into your local home um, to support, we feel like we are touching the various elements of the hockey ecosystem to allow that participation and support. And then lastly, um, you know, when we get into the storytelling and the content creation creation. Um, we will work very closely with all of our assets and channels, whether it's NHL.com and tell, and, and and share edit- editorial pieces. We will um, have a heavy social media takeover um, where you'll see a lot of the stories and metrics and, and content built around that from a social platform. And then, uh, and then just unique vignettes, right? Those short and long form features where you're hearing that Oscar long story or you're hearing about Brian Boyle um, and what he's been able to go through um, not only his battle with cancer, but his—he has a son, right, who was also, you know, diagnosed with cancer and has been his going through his own battle and journey. So it's those type of content narratives and stories that we'll also feature throughout the month to just once again keep it top of mind for people and allow them to uh, to understand how cancer really impacts us all.
2: Wow, sounds like you have <laughs> a busy month, Jeff. <laughs> You're squeezing this into 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> 30 days
4: 32 clubs it's 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 a lot it's a lot
2: (laughs) it is it's busy but it's a great initiative and I think one that maybe gets looked over in a lot of uh, leagues and a lot of aspects but at the end of the day cancer has affected everyone in a different way and hockey is a great outreach to bring that to light I know for me personally huge fan of the editorials love the videos great work there but what a lot of our audience is minor hockey associations Mm -hmm. and so you talked about the hcf assist and how can minor hockey associations get involved and engage uh with that program
4: yeah so it's, it's, it's essentially what i was able to briefly touch on earlier right is Create a platform where your players, where your your employees within the organizations, right? That was another thing that I didn't dive deep into. But from a league's perspective, we understand that it's all about culture, right? And when we we talk about culture, we talk about the authentic connection to the people who we spend time with on a day-to-day basis, and that happens to be our our colleagues. So from an employee perspective, we've created um, employee volunteer opportunities for our colleagues to be able to volunteer at hope lodges or volunteer within local hospitals to just allow that personal opportunity for them to give back so so that's that's one way where where your clubs and affiliations can really lean in and get that support inward out of course engaging the players right and being that players are the 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 most visible asset of, of many teams if not all of our teams. Um, Creating content, you know, using those player voices and images, bringing the, the look and feel of Hockey Fights Cancer to the ice. So, as I mentioned with the lavender stick tape, I've seen a lot of creative um, ways where teams have transformed their jerseys to a lavender um, look and feel, right? So, whether it's you're converting your logo over to lavender and doing it throughout the, you know, for your home games throughout the month, or if you designate one uh, night as your hockey fights cancer night, and clubs are able to wear those jerseys either during warm ups or throughout the duration of the game, and then being able to auction those jerseys. Jerseys off as game worn merch uh, to drive resources and donations back to whatever cancer supporting organization that you're aligned with, um, if it's not American Cancer Society or Canadian Cancer Society. And then, you know, I I think it's inspiring your fans to want to jump in on on this journey, right? So whether it's through your social platforms, you know, and social handles, um, whether it's through requesting for the fans to share their stories back with with, with with the clubs and then they can be a part of that narrative but it's the beauty of this is I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to do it I'm just more concerned that we do something that, that we raise awareness we're intentional about driving people to a specific action you know if it's just talking about it if it's sharing it if it's opening up your your, your, your purse and your wallet to be able to donate, Inspire people to do something. And I think that's the most important aspect of, of of what Hockey Fights Cancer Month means for the NHL. It's raising awareness so that uh, so that people can take action.
2: And lastly, so how can people get involved with Hockey Fights Cancer on a volunteer base? Like if there's something to, with an NHL game or ways to find out more information on the impact?
4: First and foremost, you can always check out our sites, right? So, NHL.com forward slash HFC, Hockey Fights Cancer. Um, and then I would say it's it's, it's it's as I mentioned before, right? So, understanding, you know, we're, we're talking about Canada right now. So, our partner in Canadian Cancer Society is a you know humongous asset for us, and their reach spans across the country. So, being able to check out what they're offering and what their opportunities are and i will say although we have designated november as our hockey fights cancer month we know that cancer is year-round 365 days every day a week you know someone's challenge so when november passes please don't let that stop, you know, your support and your engagement around the fight for cancer. So try to identify various opportunities to volunteer by reaching out through your local cancer-related institutions and nonprofits, of course, reaching out to Canadian Cancer Society, or as simple as we, we know people in our personal circle that may be battling this, right? Something as simple as bringing them a meal, offering to give them a ride to their treatment, um, offering to take their dog for a walk because, they're just too exhausted right now after going through you know chemotherapy or, or or radiation. Um, simple things like that do go a long way, and we'll we'll continue in this fight for for a better way of not only living, but a cleaner opportunity for us to really support a great cause. So the opportunities are out there. I just think, um, yeah, depending on what you're looking for, your research will help you identify that. And if there's anything that we at the NHL can do to help direct, you know, some of those specific causes or specific things that, that an individual is looking for, we're 100% here to help and and support.
1: Thank you once again to Jeff Scott for taking the time to tell us all about hockey fights cancer. I think it goes without saying what an incredibly important initiative it is for the NHL every year uh, and for each team in the league as well. And that's it. Episode 17 of the Center Ice podcast is in the books. One last thank you to our guests, Angie and Leona On and Jeff Scott, and of course to Kara Spadey for, well, making my job incredibly easy this time around. As always, a tip of the cap to the man who, well, his job is the same no matter what, Producer Steve, working hard behind the scenes to keep this podcast going. And of course, thank you to you for tuning in once again. I'm Ted Emmett, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Centre Ice Podcast. For this episode and more, head to HockeyAlberta.ca. If there's a topic you'd like covered on an upcoming episode, email info at HockeyAlberta.ca.